Welcome to the Present and Sober podcast with your hosts, Sam Goldfinch and Ellie Crow. If you want to make your life bigger, not smaller, then this is the podcast for you. If you can sense that you're destined for more and you're curious about how drinking could be holding you back, listen in and come on this journey with us. Through the interplay of mind and body practices, we will help you elevate your daily life and discover the wonder and potential of going alcohol free. Let's make life bigger together. You don't have to drink again. You don't ever have to do that again. And it was those words coming from a healthy face and that it just was this moment and a light bulb went off for me and I just, the shame started to go away and I felt, and I knew in that moment too, because of how it made me feel inside, it brought this excitement. It brought hope. Hey, wonderful people. Now we've got Carla Adkins back with us for part two of her incredible journey. We're so excited about this. We know you are as well, because this is a really (laughs) seriously requested podcast. Now in part one of Carla's journey, which was episode 62 of the podcast, she explained her personal journey through liver damage and cirrhosis and the realizations and, and denial that she went through and the acceptance piece. But we didn't get a chance to talk about healing and there was just so much more to unpack and the the implications that of Carla's journey, not just in her own personal healing, but the healing it could offer to other people and the breaking down of the stigma at the societal level is just huge. I mean, I don't have words for Carla's energy. The mission that she's on is beyond important. And this is going to be a very, very powerful episode for any of us to share with people. So yeah, I mean, we're so excited to put it out there. And um, it coincides with the full release of Carla's book. So and she came tumbling down which is now available in the UK and in the US and on Amazon and in in all the places that you would find it and on her website. All her links will be in the show notes. But we just wanted to, it's just so exciting to have her back on to talk about this element of the story because there was no way we were going to be able to explore it in the way that we wanted to in, in, in just one episode. So hey, you're so welcome to come to the Facebook group and ask Carla questions. And uh, we, you know, I know that she'd love to see you in there. Without further ado, I'll hand you over to me, Ellie and Carla. Buckle up, it's another awesome episode. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Present and Sober podcast. So, oh, no, he said something else then. Podcast. Good grief. It was it was your little wave, your little I know, queen. Sorry, I threw you wave. off. Yeah, you did. Don't do that again, please. Goodness me. <laughs> Embarrass me for my friend Carla that's with us. Hello, sorry, Carla. Sorry. Hello. How are y'all doing? We're all right, thank you. Being a bit silly today, but we're going to change the tone in a moment because we're going to get a bit serious. Um, Carla is back for part two of uh, her um, episode where um, we're talking not only about Carla's story, but her fabulous book that is uh, about to be released, depending on when this is going to air. Um, So in the last episode, we covered a huge amount of ground uh, in terms of Carla's backstory and where we really wanted to start off with this conversation is it's almost like the the second half of your story because there's again there's just so much there and where we left off the last episode we were talking about um the shift in perspective for the medical community and where might be a really nice place to start is we talked also about your what you call your battle wound Mm. and it'd be really nice to just talk about what that is where it came about and then um, we can delve into the meat yes no I think it's a that's a great place to start um my battle wound and that's actually you know it's a chapter in the book 
Um, you know, even when I, when I became a coach, there was still an area of my life that I was not talking about. I was comfortable talking about the drinking at this point, which was huge. I was definitely comfortable talking about anxiety because again, um, I think that's a lot more socially acceptable. You hear about anxiety and drinking, um, but I wasn't ready to open this dark closet of the truth of what had happened and um, my diagnosis of cirrhosis. I I actually remember sitting in coaches training and thinking, I will, when any grace talked about, you know, if there's a space where you're not clear, um, you're going to have to go there. <clears throat> and I remember so clear thinking that will never, I will never discuss this. I will never talk about this. I didn't even call it cirrhosis. I just mm-hmm. called it the C word. Mm-hmm. Um, Carla, can I just ask, cause I, you know, we've all been through coach training. Your coach training was very different because it was in person and it was yes. intense over a short period of time. Whereas when Sam and I trained online, it was kind of, I was nearly yeah. drag, dragged out over six months. I don't mean it that way. It was, it was <laughs> over six months. So I'm just putting myself in your shoes and imagining the intensity of that situation where you are thrown together with a bunch of people that you don't know. Mm-hmm. And it's it, it was the first time that Annie had ever trained any coaches. So they were embarking on this completely new territory. And there you are with a story and getting together with these people. Like, How did it feel to be suppressing that and to be keeping you know, that part of you under lock and key? That's such, that's such a great question. Um, and I think it's something really important that you're hitting on here, Ellie, because even in coaches training, <clears throat> that's where I really started hearing about this term of gray area drinking and just kind of this other, which again, so glad it's out there because it's a lot of people relate to that. And that's amazing. The more conversation, the more branches off we have to talk about this topic is important, but I remember sitting in that room with coaches, you know, we all have this one thing that brought us all together there. We all come from different areas, different backgrounds, um, and it was alcohol, but then I started to feel different in that Mm. room Mm. and thinking, well, I'm worse. Like I can't even compare my story to them because I'm this I'm lower. I'm it's shame. Yeah. It's shame is what that is. And, you know, so many times throughout my story, you know, that was keeping me stuck. And I remember there was a time of, you know, really, I, it was like, I had this weight inside of me, like this big energy bubble. That's the only way to describe it where I didn't have a voice for it yet because I still needed to work through it before it came out, but I knew it was big and I knew it was important. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what I didn't know at the time was how much more freedom and healing I would find when I could talk about it, you know, and I didn't understand it, you know, um, you know, I didn't cirrhosis is something that even very educated people think is a death sentence. You know, it has, it comes along with its own stigma and darkness. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just so you know, cirrhosis is liver disease and there's different stages of it. But, um, 
my doctors explained it to me a certain way that, you know, made sense, but my process, I just want to share with you and working through it is I started working with a coach and, um, she, you know, really saw that struggle inside of me. Cause I wouldn't share it with her. I was mm-hmm. like, yes, yeah, this thing. And so she, we really kind of went there and we had this really amazing session where she was like, I want you to explain it to me. Tell me the person that doesn't understand this word, what is it? And I felt this Oh, cause I'm, you know, I was healing and shifting and I was proud of all of the changes that I've made, you know? Um, but I said, I was like, you know, well, when you fall down, you get, you know, we get a scab, you get on your wound, you get the scab on your wound. I said, this is my battle wounds. Mm-hmm. And when I said those words, it makes me emotional just saying it just now. I can't even tell you it's the flip of the words. And this is the power of coaching that I like to share with people is, you know, when you have those moments and it comes from, you know, it was Lorna Wilson, God love her. She was, she was going to go there with me and she was asking the right questions to lead me there. And when we said that we both stopped and we just both got pretty emotional, it's just the beauty of, of coaching. And it, it flipped the script for me instead of me looking at this, like sitting in the room in the coach's room and thinking, oh, see, my drinking was so much. It was dark. And listen, it was, it was dark. Um, but I'm not any different than anybody else. My body just was impacted differently. And every time, like I've learned more and more about, um, you know, who this impacts and, and they just don't know, like, it's, it's truly like, my body just couldn't handle that where someone else's body could drink the exact same amount and not have any kind of liver disease and be moving along just fine. We're all different. Um, I didn't know that. And, um, but saying the words and flipping the script and looking at my body in a way that it was fighting for me, it was fighting for me hard that whole time to keep me alive. And I'll tell, I've said it, I think I said it last time, your liver does a lot y'all. So I'm just saying it when it's not functioning well, it's, um, it's very scary and you get very sick, but to look at it that way, just really, and bring it to the light like that. And I'm sure this book is going to be a big deal. I, there are many people in my life, they have no idea. I mean, it's not like I walk around and say, Hey, you want to go get coffee? And do you want to hear about my diagnosis of, you know, like, it's not like that happens. I'm not actively keeping it from people, but another important thing that I wanted to share and talk about it. And I want to be a voice, um, behind that is because, because of the stigma that comes along with it, there's a lot of shame, Mm -hmm. shame, and, um, hopelessness around this, this thing, because it doesn't go away. I mean, it's always going to be with me. It's something that I will always have to go get checked. I'm going to be at, you know, higher risk for, um, liver cancer, certain things. So I'm going to be monitored, um, you know, throughout my life around this and just making sure, um, everything's okay because you can decompensate, But the main thing, the beautiful thing is when um, it's alcohol related cirrhosis, removing that substance 
is the main, that's, that's what you got to do. And, you know, so many people out there with different diagnoses are just craving. If they could just do one thing, you know, they would do it. So people that, you know, are sick with alcohol um, related um, issues, just knowing that one thing you can remove it. And it just, that's when the healing starts to happen, but you have to learn how, you know, it's not about, it's not a matter of, okay, now you've gotten sick. So you, you can never drink again. It, it doesn't work like that. That's why I think we touched on too. I think we've just set a lot of people up to fail mm. by giving the ultimatums. It's why, you know, just to repeat again, why it's so important for people to be on a journey of courage like you are, because stigma, a lot of it's rooted in misinformation and put it frankly, bullshit out there about all these different things that may be out there. And the way to kind of counteract that is vulnerability, courage yeah. and connection. And so there, there's a, there's a, it, it takes shining lights to like actually come and shine a light on this because it, there's a lot of people. And even this is the interesting thing about stigma stigma is even if we have a condition or a diagnosis, whatever it might be, we innocently also uphold the stigma until we realize where yeah. we've got it invisible inside of us too. So, you know, when it comes to alcohol or any kind of anything, we're going to have thinking about it that we don't know is either bias or kind of something we heard when we were small or something we've picked up from the media, but actually going through that process of, of releasing the stigma that we're innocently holding frees us up to then help other people go on the same journey. So I just think it's to see that and to have had a coach guide you through that is such a gift. Um, and yeah, I don't know. That's just, as you said, that it just occurred to me that that, that part of it is, is huge as well. Thank you. Yeah. And that's where I think that's and Ellie going back to what you asked, how did it feel? It, it started to get, and that's where the book was born. Honestly, it just started to get to the point that I couldn't hold it down anymore. You know, I wanted to be <clears throat> the defender of these people, mm -hmm. of um, the people that were, you know, you can't help them. No, that's not true. You know, I'm with you, Sam. I call bullshit on that. It's not, there aren't, it's, it's just not true. And, you know, with the pandemic, the things coming to light and then seeing, seeing what was happening, seeing the rise of liver disease, um, and especially in young people, I just couldn't shut up about it anymore, you know, and I know it's important to be, to have like a healthy face on the other side of it. So people can look and go, wait a minute, she has that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, she doesn't look sick. You know, she doesn't look, you know, like she's about to die. She doesn't look like she's helpless or hopeless. That is so, and I can't even imagine, I'm just, you know, I'm big and big believer and I can't imagine how much healing happened inside me when I let that shame go around it, mm -hmm. you know, because shame will make you sick, mm -hmm. you know, just holding that and just staying in those thoughts. And, um, it's important to start talking about it, especially because I think about all those people that, you know, just got sick and diagnosed during this time of the pandemic and where are they going to go now? Where's their answer? They're being told you can never drink again. They don't know how, you know, and that's, I understand that. Um, and it's just changing the conversation. You know, it just seems 
like insanity to me that we would push people out there doing the same thing and expecting different results. And that the numbers are showing that it's not working, you know, it's not. And um, if we don't get to the root and people understand that about other things, right. With trauma, like they understand, okay, we get to the root and then there can be some healing and um, that's what people need to understand. And they can do it. You know, is it work? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's, I, but I think, you know, people that will step forward and really go to challenge their um, relationship with alcohol, that to me is like complete. What does Brene Brown say? You know, badassery, yeah. because it, we live in a world that doesn't support that right mm-hmm. now. I do think that's changing though. So I think that's huge, important to say as well. It is, it is very much so. Uh, interestingly, the, there's somebody I know right now that's going through um, not a, um, not a dissimilar situation to, to yours. And um, in terms of being very sick and being being given the information of you can never drink again. Mm-hmm. And when you talked about the shame and the hopelessness, I, I know that that's where that person's sitting right now. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's really painful to be on the outside of it and to, to know that there is a very different way and yet they're, their lived experience doesn't allow them to see what I see yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the frustration is the people around that are well-meaning, but don't have the, again, don't have the, um, the sight of what they need to see to be able to help that person. And what I'd love for you to talk about is your experience of being there. Because what will come out of this also is that it's not it's not a straight line to healing light that it, it's it's complicated, but it's it's just so important for people to to hear the the, the story of somebody that's been through this mm-hmm. because otherwise what what hope do they have? Yeah, and it is a dangerous one, you know. I especially when you've been here's the thing you've been living in a world that has told you this certain thing about this substance, you know, it's put on a pedestal, no matter where you live on the globe, let's face it. It's, it's everywhere. And just, um, just ingrained in our societies. And then it's your own personal tool. You know, you've given it all these jobs and you just cannot imagine life without it. And it's why I'm so, I just honestly personally can't stand the word alcoholic because, because that set that has set a line in the sand for people of the us versus them. And it just reminds me, you know, of the playground and you just want to be, you know, part of, you know, the us crowd, like you can't do that. No, you're one of them, you know, you can't. And it's this innate thing in us of this wanting to belong, wanting to be normal. And you're fighting against that. You're fighting against that word and that line. 
and never recognizing that this substance is the, the culprit of what is your demise. Mm-hmm. And cause you can't see it. You can't see it. I didn't see it. So I get that. And I think that's why it was also burning inside me that I needed to, I needed to share that with people because I didn't have a voice like that on my end when I was, you know, really sick and to see someone that had come out of it. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's not a straight line, Ellie. I think that's, you know, part of one of my biggest, um, shame pieces in my story was, you know, I've shared in the other, you know, podcast about, you know, getting so sick and, but it didn't end after that. I didn't just leave the hospital and then go, whoo, I made that one. Well, listen, no, I did do that, but I never thought I'm like, okay, I'm good. I'm not going to drink, you know, again, but still I couldn't imagine. I couldn't imagine a world without it. Mm-hmm. I could not imagine it. And that's when slowly the romanticizing about it started again. <laughs> and again, keeping it all in my head to myself. Um, but you know, just really thinking one day I'm going to get through this, I'm going to get healthy. And then one day, um, I'll be fine, you know, Mm -hmm. and it took me, I started to get sick again. And this is where the whole, um, confirmation bias will come in. Ooh, that thing is strong. I got sick again. Um, and because I had been so sick, my, my doctor's were like, we immediately wanted me to come in, get blood work and scans, you name it. And it was a really scary moment. I thought, you know, here I've gotten better. I haven't, you know, had anything to drink. Something's really wrong. I could tell. Well, blood work came back. Turns out I had mono. And so no wonder I was hurting all over and fatigued and aching all over. Um, and what, that's all it really took. It took me then getting to my Dr. Google, you know, again, and Googling like, okay, what, what does mono, what kind of like impact does that have on the liver? And sure enough, I found that it can cause jaundice, all these things. And that's all my brain needed to take Mm -hmm. off and go, that's why, that's why I got so sick. See that drinking was normal, totally forgetting about how incredibly anxious I was. I, you know, it made me feel, I'd never felt good. I felt horribly sick all the time, forgot all of that stuff that was just out in the, you know, okay. I couldn't handle it. Then I just needed a break now that I'm healthy. I could do it. And interesting though, I didn't share that with anybody that again is shame. We know deep down that there's something wrong with that decision that we're making. We're going to keep it all to ourselves. And just make that decision. And, and again, got on the slipperiest slope I'd ever been on in my life. It, it was so scary. All I want, I just went and picked up again, a small little bottle of wine. I was just going to have all by myself, mind you have this glass of wine. And that started this, the downward spiral that happened so fast. And it was so scary because the shame that came along with it was almost fatal because I just couldn't 
how could I tell anybody that I drank again after being so sick? How could, how could I do that? I didn't understand it. Again, at this time, I didn't understand anything about neuropathways, what's happening in the brain. You know, I then took on this, you're one of them. And that shame in itself was like, because I didn't want to be that person. I didn't want to be one of them. Um, not knowing any of the science, just going with what the world had told me. And it was scary, but I, um, again, and I've shared my, the healthcare providers that I've had in my life have been game changers for me, just absolutely hands down, you know, with Dr. Joplin, who wrote the foreword, such a beautiful person, um, really encouraging me. And then the other physician that came into my story at that time is Dr. Allen. And she wrote the afterword, which is just as beautiful. And so, um, just her, just their words are so powerful. I can't wait for people to read it. Um, and I just knew, I knew I was going to, I was going to have to tell her. And at the time I worked in a job just so you know, that put me around physicians a lot. So that's why I had access to them you know, Grady, who at this time is my husband. So can we all just give Grady, like, he's an amazing man. So he is just, (laughs) he was not my husband when I got so sick and he loved me anyway. And he loved me through all of that. And I think that was part of it too, seeing what he had done and then asking myself, how could I do that to him? How could I do that? Like, And that's the question. And I'd love y'all's two cents on this too, before I go for it, because I think we hear this a lot. I was thinking that myself, but you hear all the time from people like, why can't they just stop? Don't they love me enough? Like, don't they love me? Don't they love their children? And that I want people to understand. It just doesn't work that way. I'm sure y'all have heard that. Oh, God, yeah. But it breaks my heart. It absolutely breaks my heart because it's it, it it's like us the judge one it's by that point it's it's not a choice it, no. it isn't a choice Mm-mm. um and when like seeing anybody struggle with alcohol is is painful enough because it's like i, I want to say it's not fair because it's the it's the bloody substance that's the issue it's the substance that's the issue and it's so easy to blame the individual. It's so easy. And it's it's just bloody horrible. Like I this conversation, the person I'm referring to earlier on, that the with a loved one, I'm having this conversation of like, you know, it I just I, I wanted them to think about it from a really different perspective. And so what I was saying to them was like you could look at this like their body is doing exactly what it's meant to do. It's working perfectly because that is part of the conversation. Well, how, how, why did they keep on? Why did I, I didn't realize just how much they were drinking. Well, the body's working perfectly because it gets very efficient at, at getting rid of the poisons in the body. So efficient that you need more of it to achieve the same effect. And if you're, drinking for knowing pain in particular, then you just, you're going to need more and more and more of it. And mm-hmm. so it, 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 be, it's, it's no longer a choice. Like it's not, 
oh, it, I'm about to get really cross because it just, yeah. <laughs> it just, oh, it's, it, it's so divisive. You know, it's, it's like pitting <clears throat> people against people. The, the people are not the issue. It's the substance that's the issue. And it's the way that it is uh, marketed and just made to be such an important part of our lives when nothing could be further from the truth. Yeah. It's, it's, it's killing people, a lot of people, and not just a certain select kind of people. Like, it, it doesn't discriminate. And that's love and understanding. Like we've got to get love and understanding out there because it look it can look like a choice. Like if you're if you have innocent misunderstanding because of stigma, misinformation, bullshit, media, all that stuff out there, and you see a loved one going through something that looks like a choice that they're making, well, it will look like a choice that they're making because you will see through your your lenses. And until those lenses change through love and understanding and learning, mm. you will you will see that. So I think, yeah, so you end up in this position where people will see these things in their own time, but until we have a society that actually allows people to, to, to see the truth, we have to make the truth visible for people because at the moment it's the, it's the untruth that's, that's visible mm. and everything else isn't. So through conversation, through courage and bravery like this, right? Then, then hopefully less and less of these things will happen, but it doesn't make it any less painful for anyone going through. And I think that's why it can be really powerful for anyone listening who's going through something, or either a parallel experience, you go get coaching yourself if that's something that you're called to. Go and talk to someone about it. That can be equally as powerful as trying to help your loved one, like going and understanding what's going mm. on for them, going and getting a different perspective. And I think a lot of people innocently again omit that from the kind of menu because it doesn't seem to make sense well why would yeah. i go and look at that but it can be a really powerful thing for people you know what i think would be really powerful and we we should we should set off and do this as coaches one time we need to do an alcohol experiment for families yeah you know um think about it it's just hey let's do this thing and it's nothing but education for 30 days you know, it's kind of my same thing. I would love one day for, you know, residents that are going to be healthcare providers. Let's do, let's do an alcohol challenge. Let's do it. Let's learn this, you know, and be that as a teacher for them, because it's just, it's just about understanding. And I love your point there, Sam, because you're right. It looks like it is a choice. It looks like it's a choice and it's devastating. And that's another thing that I'm, I hope in, um, my book can bring to people because the, my book is not just for the drinker. Mm. Um, my book is for family members. It's for, because it, it gives you a, a peek into that world to understand what's going on from the different perspective. Mm. And that's so important to know because we're, but, but we are, we're, when we tell it, tell people, okay, just don't do it anymore. Like me leaving the hospital. When I left the hospital, they said, you can never drink again. Just don't ever drink again. Um, and there was another doctor there and I need to find, I have found him. I need to send him the book. He has no idea. He was a resident at the time to just a baby. And, um, but he looked at me and he said, <clears throat> you know, you can do this, right? you can do this. And it was just those words y'all that I was like, Ooh, he thinks yeah. it, it, you hang on to those because you feel so low and so dark. And so 
the shame is covering you. Um, and so I need to, I'm going to send him my book. I did find him. He's in Tennessee somewhere, I think. And just tell him (laughs) he had no idea those words, what they do, but our words matter. But when I left that hospital, I had no tools. And so me looking back now and seeing that slippery slope that was about to happen, that was going to happen. It was going to happen. It was just a matter of when, because there, until we address the underlying beliefs, I still believed that alcohol helped me. So Mm -hmm. I still believed that it was the end all be all for anxiety. I still believed that it was, you know, helped me socially. I still believed that it helped me with stress. So it's still, like you said, Ellie, it comes off as this like little pretty thing that it does no wrong. And meanwhile, we all know we've been part of a friend group where there's this, this manipulator, right? In the beginning, and it's turning everybody against everyone, but it's just sitting in the middle, just fine, not being talked about. But until I really, really dove in to find out why, what, why was this happening? And it was going to happen again. Um, but meanwhile, it was the second time again, very touch and go, just not sure if I was going to make it out of that one. And, um, that's when I had another very powerful conversation with my physician. And it's just to have these two women that one that took the time to communicate, Dr. Allen, let Dr. Joplin know that I was back in the hospital. Um, because I didn't want to tell her shame. I could never see her again. She would be so disappointed in me. I had failed her. You know, she told me not to drink again. And here I did, I was one of them. And I, I did. And, um, Dr. Joplin came to see me in the hospital that day. She did not have to, I was not one of her patients at that time. And we just, we spoke and she spoke about, you know, what she do about alcohol, what, how she had seen it impact, um, people, her family. Um, and that's why she, you know, decided to do what she did in the specialty that she chose. And she looked at me and she's like, you just, you don't, you don't have to drink again. You don't ever have to do that again. And it was those words coming from a healthy face. And that it just was this moment and a light bulb went off for me. And I just, the shame started to go away. And I felt, and I knew in that moment too, because of how it made me feel inside, it brought this excitement it brought hope. It brought hope into the picture. And I remember thinking, God, I want to do that for somebody one day. Mm -hmm. I want to do what she just did for me someday, you know? And meanwhile, like what she did in, in talking with her now, I, I, I didn't realize that that moment was a powerful day for her as well because she decided to step off on a limb and do what she had told, been told not to do. And that's get personal, get vulnerable, Sam, just like you were talking about getting vulnerable and sharing. And she now says, um, she calls it therapeutic empathy. And she changed me that day. She did. And, you know, I have so much 
respect. And I'm so thankful to her for um, taking a chance with me and doing that. But it was that empathy. It was the kindness. It was the words and saying she believed in me and the switch of words of saying, you don't have to do this anymore. And seeing someone that's young, healthy, professional that says, Hey, I don't drink. I needed to see that. I really did. That's amazing. A lot of people, when they say like, Oh, Sam, you know, you've got a coaching philosophy, things like that. And I often say, well, look, personally, I look for a feeling of connection. Everything else comes after that. And people look at me as if I'm high on my own supply. I'm like, look, you do not have to believe me, but I'm telling you that there is something that is more empowerful than any question you could ever ask. And that is a feeling of connection because it touches the place where we're all the same. And once we hit that space and there's that place where you feel heard or seen or it's like ineffable, it's indescribable anyway. And then, and then you talk to people about an experience that they've had with you and they go, yeah, I don't remember much that we did, but there was those, remember that day, like with your, remember that day when you just said, you know, you can do this. Like it wasn't even the words, it was the connection. It was that moment, like pure soul to soul, human to human connection. And boom, it, it tore apart something in there. Who knows what, like some, and it, and it's like a blowtorch to beliefs and I just think it's more powerful than anything. So the more we can get people connecting. Connecting and sharing and getting vulnerable and sharing. And, you know, I have a lot to thank of, you know, the groups that I've coached in. They have been so powerful in my story because I was able to get vulnerable in these groups and, and share, you know, once I worked through those things with Lorna, I was able to, like go coach in these groups and share it. And I saw what it did. I saw what sharing, being very real with people um, and open about my life and the truth of where um, alcohol took me, what that did with them and their vulnerability, they made it a safe space. So that's what the beauty of a safe space too, where, you know, it's a judgment-free space where you can really share that piece of yourself. It's vital. It's so important in this process because shame is so wrapped up all in it. It's, it's just devastating to people. So I guess, yeah. And I think when I walked away from the hospital that time after having a, such a, there was a fire in me this time, you know, having this conversation, there was a fire in me that knew okay, this time I have to do it different. I have to do it different. There was a craving inside of me to find out why, like why? And I think that's important. I want people to feel like you're very powerful. You have a lot of power in these situations. This, the thought of powerlessness has also been ingrained in us. And, you know, I call bullshit on that as well. Like, it's just because you, the powerful person is the person looking at you in the mirror in the morning, you can do this. And, um, I knew at that moment that unless I did it differently, I would die. So I had this fire. Okay. I need to find out why I need to find something different. I knew that I had tried meetings. I had tried that. And just that whole philosophy Again, I am so glad that that space is there for people because it has helped so many people, but we just have to stop thinking that that's the only way. 
And so it's craving information. Um, and I remember good, good old Google again, and this is where Google actually, you know, did uh, me a favor. <laughs> and I found, I found Annie Grace's podcast. And this was when there was just a time of like just tons of science, tons of science. I could not get enough. I could not get enough. I just couldn't. And it's because the science and hearing the understanding, just the, the, the simple thing of what happens with anxiety, right? It was like, like mind blowing to me. I had never heard that before, but it completely aligned with my journey. That made complete sense. You know, I believed that it helped me, but did it really? No, it actually made it. I got it so much worse and I was highly anxious by the time I stopped drinking. Um, but just understanding the why so that I could get to the root so that I could get down and understand why, but then also, you know, Sam, you said then having connection, like real connection with other people. And I felt heard. I felt validated. I felt understood where I'd been shouting from the rooftops for, and, you know, they say in the South here, you know, where it's, oh, bless your heart, you know, where they do the tilt of the head. Like when I said like, AA just doesn't, it doesn't fit for me. It just doesn't. It was this look of, oh, look, she doesn't understand. She's one of them and she's just not ready to accept it yet. It didn't have anything to do with that. It just, I didn't, it didn't attach to me at all. And so I had to find something else. And I'm so grateful that there are other things. I have no idea. I thought it was that or not, you know, and it's just not true. There's, there's other things out there. And I think honestly, um, it should be celebrated that there's multiple ways, you know, and I, I don't think it is yet. And I think, um, that's a problem in itself, um, but it should be celebrated. Anybody, if they find freedom a certain way, um, I had my first hate comment on one of my social media posts. And basically this guy was calling me, basically saying I was full of it. Um, and it was a post about, you know, just, and it was a very open, like um, that people think that there's only one way and it's not, there's multiple ways and for people to really research and, and find out what fits for them. And he just said, I was, full of it. And, um, people need to know that's not true, that it's, there are other things and finding the right thing that fits for you is that missing piece of your puzzle. You know, why you might be on that shame and blame cycle and you can't seem to step out of it. It's you need to find what makes sense for you and your journey. hundred percent. And thank God that there are these other avenues because I'd be still drinking. If not, I'm sure. Yes, I, I I totally, totally by accident came upon this naked mind on a little sponsored Facebook ad. And the thing that drew me in was it, it was two things. One, it was talk about moderation, because, you know, when you when you can't imagine a life not drinking, then moderation is what you're after. And the other thing was what you referred to earlier on the science. Right. Hang on. I'm intrigued by this. I'm the kind of person I like to know how things work and why they do, why they work the way that they do. And I, I remember like starting to read this. This is the infamous PDF, the six vital things that you need to, you need to know about moderation. And Annie very cleverly, very, very, I can't speak very cleverly at the beginning says something like, 
you know, suspend judgment. Just yeah. read this with an open mind because your brain's going to try and tell you it's not true. Mm-hmm. And I'll explain more about that later as she does. And I'm like, okay. And there, there was some trepidation, but it was it was really small. Because, so that I can't imagine not having that as an inroad. It was because of her. It was because of the way that she wrote, the way that she spoke. And I remember going through that PDF and just as she'd said, my brain's going, no, 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 no. And you're looking for the confirmation bias. Yeah, but, you know, and I, I think I reread it a couple of times and then I got to it because I knew what it meant. I knew it didn't mean I was going to be moderating. I knew exactly what it meant. And I thought, wow, like there's there's something here. There's something really different here. And it's exactly what um, your physician said to you. It's you don't have to do this anymore. Mm. And I, I've got to, the relief, the relief when I lent into that space after being stuck for so long and feeling so alone and feeling so ashamed. And it's like, what a wonderful thing to have yes. a completely new possibility that you never thought was even on the on the table. So and your we, brain does fight against it. Isn't that the truth? Like I remember even at coaches training, and this is when I had been alcohol free for a while, but it just blown away. Like that really, is that really true? Like, is, no, like that's really true. Like, but there's so much misinformation. It's so they, it, it is true. You know, we've got a lot of people that still don't know that it's a class one carcinogen. Yes. Even that right? it's addictive. There are a number of lots of people who don't, who will call bullshit on you saying that alcohol is addictive. Yeah. You know, and it's highly, it's highly <laughs> yeah. addictive. I had a guy the other day go all over my post telling me about how I'm cherry picking science and how I'm full of bullshit and how I wasn't going to whitewash anyone, <laughs> brainwash anybody. So yeah, it's, there's a lot of people who still, and, it, and it's like, yeah, again, it's about love and understanding, right? A hundred percent the whole way through. Yes. And it's just about changing the conversation. I think it's hard because in my experience, and I had to be careful because once I got trained, another thing that they said in training, which was so true, Annie said, she's like, you got your right hand people and your left hand people. (laughs) I made the mistake. So what she was saying for the listeners is that, you know, you've got your right hand people. Those are your fellow coaches. Those are your people like you talk about this with them, like, cause it's, you're going to be like, so pumped up to share this information. And then you've got your left-hand people and that's, you know, your family and friends that, you know, don't share with them, like all of this stuff. I came home, listen, I couldn't contain myself. I was so excited. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, and I saw what I could visually see almost the invisible earmuffs go on and the eyes get big as saucers. I'm like, Okay, I need to slow my roll. Um, And it's just, but it's about excitement. It was not judgment. It was just about excitement about what I've learned. And and another thing why I'm so just adamantly against this line in the sand of breaking people up of us versus them is just because it's created a space where we can't have a conversation with people. You're too afraid. Well, they're not one of those. Don't talk about that. Why can't we talk about this? Why can't we talk about it? Why can't you be a friend to someone and say, you know, I've heard that your spouse is struggling. You know, I, I'm here for you. We can talk about this. 
I've had or talk, get vulnerable and share our own experiences. It's, it's made to be um, shameful and it shouldn't be. It's a conversation that we need to be having because again, it's, it's, it's frightening how much it's killing people and young people left and right. And it's not just men anymore. It's women. Clearly the numbers of women are highly on the rise. We've got to just break down this thing. And why can't people even say, for example, like I'm worried about my drinking. I just started drinking too much during the pandemic. I don't like how I was drinking. People are so afraid to say that because of the dang line in the sand. They don't want anybody to tell them, well, guess what? You are shifted out to that crowd over there. And you're one of them. Now you're not one of us and you can never drink again. And it, why, why we should be questioning, we should be challenging and people should be able to feel safe to do so, but they're so afraid. And again, I get it because we've, we've, we're in a society that's made it that way, but we got to break down those walls and just start talking about it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's so scary as well, because what happens as you slide, as you, for me, it's like, as you go into along the gray area drinking scale and you go, well, I'm not one of them and I'm not an alcoholic and you have an idea, a moving target. Well, the thing is you rewrite what that target is as well. The more you fall down the gray area drinking scale, the more you go, I'll I'll edit what that means. And then every time, and you keep re-editing it. And so until mine was like, oh, well, you know, I haven't, I've never actually missed a day of work. I haven't, you know, I'm still with my partner. Like I'm not the kind of person for whatever reason that would go and too often do, you know, your Hollywood style, like, you know, silly things on a night out. So it's like, oh, you know, constantly. And then that would happen. And then I'd go, oh yeah, but it's only happened like this time. And oh, and yeah, I know that this is now happening. And that's, that's subconscious as well that that's going on. And so you're in that comparison game, slipping, slipping, slipping. And the, and the irony is that a lot of people who may be able to either just stop drinking or truly, you know, for the few people out there, you know, be at a point where they, you know, drink every now and again or whatever, they innocently slip to a position where they're in a lot of trouble and challenge because they're not having the discussion. So the discussion, not having it is actually pushing people further along that scale. Um, yes. It's doing the very thing that people don't want, which is another reason to get it out in the open, right? Yes. And I, and I've got to say, you know, in coaching people in my experience now, again, the word alcoholic, just for clarification, there are some people that they want that label. They want that label. And that is perfectly fine. But we all know there are people that are just like, Oh, her, she's an alcoholic. Like they, there's, there's more of that than someone saying, listen, this is my label. This is what I want. And again, I get it. I've heard people say that that puts a barrier up for them because then they know they can never drink again. They are, that's what they are. But what I've seen in coaching is when people then come in to me and say, well, you know, I mean, I'm just an alcoholic. They're falling into the label and then saying, well, I'm powerless against it. So, I mean, there's not, they're falling into the helplessness and hopelessness of that Mm -hmm. term. And that to me is very dangerous. It does not have to be that way. Mm -hmm. Couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. And I think that's it. It's all about like, is it empowering us? And if that, if the answer to that is yes, then, you know, go for it. But um, yeah, like there needs to be more than two options. Yes. And there are. 
there are, there's so many, you know, and I'm, I love to keep learning about it. And I think people get, I think just the more people that talk about it and the more people that find freedom, because then some people, once they find freedom, they're in a world that they're not safe to even talk about it. And so that's what I can't wait to see change in is just to normalize not drinking. That is, that has to happen. I mean, that is our next stop because it should not be this shock. I mean, I still, when people don't know what I do for a living, the, the things that I, that people say are, it's shocking that we're still, cause it reminds me, I think sometimes I've gotten in a bubble cause you know, I'm in this coaching, I'm coaching and then I'm friends are coaches. And so you hear this word. And then when you go out into society and you hear, and you can hear those beliefs, you can hear those, Oh, you're sad. Go drink. Oh, you're this. Why don't you bring them a bottle of wine, go bring them alcohol. And I'm like, <gasps> like, this is still happening, but also I've gotten the, I have gotten the, where people don't, they they're just uncomfortable when you're a non-drinker, you know? And I think most of the time, if I've been able to have the conversation to ask why they're afraid that I'm judging them. And my, what I try to really point out is, is that, do you see that you just, you have judged me. You've judged me right off the bat without giving just because I don't drink. Mm. And it's not the case at all. You know, it, it truly isn't. Um, but people want to know why they still want to know. They ask that question of people a lot of, you don't drink, well, why? And there shouldn't, there shouldn't, that shouldn't have to be there. You know, that mm. shift there, it should just be like, oh, great. I don't what else will you have? Good for you. I don't smoke. Good for you. I don't it's eat carrot like... sandwiches. Good for you. Yeah. <laughs> I heard, heard somebody um, flip it once and that, I mean, it could be extremely provocative, but for you know, when somebody says that they drink, well, why, why do you drink? <laughs> Cause it's a really fucking good question. Yes. I, right. Though. So, you know, you might end up in a, you might end up in fisticuffs with somebody over that. One. But, <laughs> but again, it shows that it shows the hypocrisy of what's really happening, happening. People Absolutely. then don't, they don't like it back at, like we talked on the last podcast about when I gave that scenario of, you know, going to a party and asking, you know, for a glass of water, like, and if they had said, no, we have wine, we have all these things. But if the host had said, if it, if the flip had been script, if the flip had been script, if the script had been flipped, <laughs> it just would go over like a lead balloon. If you asked for a glass of wine and they're like, oh, well, we have herbal tea. We have coffee. Are you sure? <gasps> oh my gosh. The shock and the, that would not be okay. I, and I do really think that we are on the verge of that y'all. I really do just seeing, um, seeing the shift, um, for me, September 10th will be eight years for me on this journey. And just saying that just still can't believe it. Um, the book is set to come out September 7th. So I love, I really wanted to, I wrote the book in my year seven and it's coming out in, um, my year eight. And in that time frame, I've seen such exciting change, such mm -hmm. exciting change of just different conversations, 
um, again, just, you know, the alcohol-free beverage industry, um, all these other methods coming out, coaches everywhere, good coaches, like really good people coaching on this topic for different methods for people that truly, truly excites me. Mm. It's, it's very exciting indeed. And I just, I, I just want to say a big thank you for yeah. all of your work in this space, because it's like, you think about the ripple effect and, and I, I'm dying to hear what happens when you go back to that doctor that said to you about, you know, you can do this right. Cause he's I'll got, he's got, he's got no idea of how, you know, how far reaching those words are. It's incredible. Yeah. So a huge congratulations on your book. And it was wonderful earlier on when you were talking about, um, you, you said about your pride in the work that you've done. And I think sometimes, like you, you lit up when you were talking about it. And I think so often we're, especially when we're kids, we're kind of taught to be, you know, small and to make ourselves small and to not you know, blow ourselves up, but you should, you should feel proud. You should feel hugely proud of what you've, what you've done. And the, that move, like what, what could feel better than moving from feeling shame to feeling pride? Like what a wonderful thing. Yes. Thank you. And yes, I am. I am proud. And I am, I'm very, the fact that this book is even coming out, I just, and, and also it shows people just when you can do the work, how the shame will move away. I was sitting in that seat, hanging on to this so tight. I was never going to share it with the world. And now I've got a book. So, you know, things you can work through those things and move through them. You can find freedom from alcohol. It's just, you've got to have a little hope and, um, and that's important. So I, I hope people enjoy the book and I've so enjoyed these conversations with y'all. You have powerful podcast and it's such an honor to be on here talking with y'all about this i hope we get to do it again sometime i've got i've got some ideas to share okay good (laughs) (laughs) yeah definitely thank you so much for coming on good thank you thank you carla so there we have it lovely people another incredible podcast i mean the the impact that carla's gonna have is just I mean, who knows? It's impossible to quantify these things, but the energy behind her mission and the importance of it is is just huge. So, hey, please do go and grab Carla's book, share it, tell people about it, come join us in the podcast, all of those things, all of her links will be in the show notes. And I just know that she's going to love to hear from you with with any kind of feedback or any, any, uh, any messages that you've got for her. Hey, we've got some absolutely awesome and exciting things coming up soon. Stay tuned can't break cover yet don't quite know exactly what's going on with some things yet but it's fair to say the next few months are going to be pretty uh, pretty wild see you soon